And you? I'm on my way home to see my wife and children. And then? Hmm? And, and then? then? And then? No, and then! Bloody Black Rum Podcasts and Halloween. Welcome back to the Blood and Black Rum Podcast. I'm Ryan from ColdSplotation.com and I'm joined by my co-host Martin. How's it going? And we are back today with another episode of our Halloween series. This is our Halloween, new Halloween series. Uh, instead of doing one specific series or anything like, like a film series, we're, we're doing all anthology films throughout... The Halloween season, September and October. I'm excited to do it. Creepy! Little, uh, little variety in our Halloween watching. Not, not getting bogged down with any one type of movie. And there's all kinds of variety in the anthology films as well. So, you know, if you're bored with one story, you never know. The next one comes around, you might not be bored with it. So, that's the cool thing about anthology f- films. You never know what you're going to get until you're watching them. Last week we did Black Sabbath which was uh, from the 60s. And as we said before on the show, we were going to do all eras. So we're going to work from the 60s on, uh, and we're moving up each time. Um, We are going to revisit a couple of the same era. Uh, So we're going to do two movies that um, are within the 80s, and then we're going to do two more films that are in the 2000s, I think it was, if I remember correctly. And we're not announcing any of those movies, so... All you know right now is that we did Black Sabbath, and now you know today's episode, which is Tales from the Crypt, the 1972 movie version. Uh, And the Tales from the Crypt movie version is based on the EC Comics series of the same name and also um, some tales from the Vault of Horror, which was another EC Comics series that was very similar to Tales from the Crypt. Why do you keep saying DC wrong? (laughs) DC, yeah. Uh, so all of these, this was a great era in film or in, in comics. I mean, um, we had so many different types of horror comics that were coming out for, uh, kids in the fifties. We had, um, creepy, creepy was one, uh, series. We had tales from the crypt, the vault of horror. Um, there are just so many that were coming out at the time that like you could just 
keep collecting. You know, just had so many anthology stories to go on. And uh, I don't know if anybody collected them or, um, you know, kept track of them, but there are anthology books now that they've created um, that collect like all of the series. So I do have like creepy volumes one through three, I think. Um, actually up in that cupboard. It's the creepy one through three. Um, and it's pretty cool. Uh, they're extremely expensive to collect them, but they, uh, they're really cool to look back on with nostalgia and even nostalgia for me, I say that, but I was not born in the fifties, so I don't have any nostalgia for the time period, but, um, just even so looking back at the time, time frame and, and reading those comics is really fun. Some are, uh, hits, some are misses. And you'll find that too in Tales from the Crypt, the film, and then also in Tales from the Crypt, the series, uh, which as it, after it started in the 80s on HBO, um, you'll notice that the quality of it kind of went down over time. Um, started good, great, some great stories. And then as you got to like season seven, which would be the last season, a lot of misses. But uh, Tales from the Crypt, the 1972 film, um, is, comes first obviously. And, uh, it tells, uh, what is it? Six, six stories, five stories, five stories, five stories. Five stories. I can't count. It tells five stories, um, from a perspective of each character, uh, as they are, um, kind of assaulted by a, by a robed man and a crypt who forces them to sit there and listen to these stories being told. Or not being told. It does not really clear if they're actually telling the stories or if they're just seeing them in their minds or or what's happening. But uh, each of the each of the five characters is sort of confronted with a story that is what we are no, what we know of as their plan. That like what's going to happen in the future, and so that's how the stories are presented to us as the wraparound story, um, uh, starring. Sir, uh, what was it? Sir Ralph Richardson, as they call him. Mm-hmm. Um, so the idea is pretty cool. It's a lot different from Black Sabbath, which was more so presented as like um, Boris Karloff just saying, "Here's some stories. You'll like them." Hey, yeah. hey, kids, do you like stories? Come sit down with Uncle Boris. Yeah, I'm going to tell you some stories. He was more just like a, a narrator who was just like, "Here's some stories. Hope you enjoy them." Uh, I'm going to ride this fake horse. <laughs> but uh, with Tales from the Crypt, there's actually a wraparound story. There's something that's sort of combining all these stories into one. And actually, Tales from the Crypt doesn't really treat each of the stories as though they're stories. They're they're what's more so like segments. So they don't get named during the actual story. There's no like title for title card for each story. Um, they're actually just separated by the by um, Ralph Richardson giving each character a chance to speak up and say like, well, why am I here? I don't understand why I'm here. And then he's like, well, you just wait. I'm going to show you why you're here. And and that's how each of the stories is kind of presented. Which is like neat. It makes it feel less of an, like an anthology film. It does. Even yeah. though the, the whole story is just, you know, them in the crypt and then watching their 20 little minute a uh, bit, but you know, the fact that like each time they're going into like, you know, yeah. into their own uh, memory and mind or whatever, you don't have like the night before Christmas. <laughs> no, you don't, you don't get those, you don't get those title cards, which is kind of interesting. Cause it does, um, the title cards kind of break up films in a way. Like, even though, yeah, you realize you're watching five different stories and tales from the crypt. 
Um, the title card kind of separates each one of those. And you don't get that separation in Tales from the Crypt. They kind of just all flow together. And I think that kind of works pretty well for this film. It doesn't really need the title cards to uh, disassociate each story from the other because they all come together uh, sort of fitting like a puzzle into each other. Uh, Even though none of them are actually connected with the other, um, it's just the fact that each of these characters has been brought to this crypt area uh, for a reason. And we're finding out the reason as we go through each of the stories. Little uh, interesting little thing. And it kind of predates um, the Crypt Keeper, who is more like, in the Tales from the Crypt series, more like Boris Karloff, who is sort of just providing these tales to people that come to his crypt. Kind of like Knights Templar, like, yeah. like you know, I sit down here and I watch over people. Yeah, and you and just... Tell them stories. Yeah, he's like a weird, moralistic Crypt Keeper. In, in the Tales from the Crypt series, because, you know, every one of the Tales from the Crypt stories has sort of a moral to it about, you know. Yeah, that's Aesop's rotting body. Yeah. yeah. Like, don't be a dick. <laughs> Stop being an asshole. <laughs> don't be an, cheat on yeah, your wife. Being an asshole, you're don't all going to get what's coming to you. Don't be greedy. Yeah. That's pretty much the whole storyline of all the Tales from the Crypts. And I, I like that, too. Like, I think that's a really cool idea, because... In, every, in almost every Tales from the Crypt story or even in the comics, like, none of the characters are really that likable. They're always, like, you standoffish and you as the reader are actively rooting against them. You're like, this is why I'm watching this show. So that I can fucking see you get your comeuppance. I love that. And then as you're watching them, uh, you're subconsciously thinking, am I like that? <laughs> and then am you're I, like, and then you're like, th- yeah, and then you're thinking... Good thing this isn't real. <laughs> and you go on your merry way and you don't worry about the morals too much. Um, so, yeah, that's that's Tales from the Crypt in a nutshell. And the 1972 movie version is a nice precursor to the actual series that we get from HBO. Um, because in a lot of ways, the um, the presentation is similar, like in the way that they present each of the stories. It's always very moody. Um, it's just kind of in the 1972 version. Obviously, it's a little bit more dated in terms of what they what's going on. There's a lot of flowery wallpaper, um, a lot of gaudy, uh, very gaudy apartments. And it, I, I am not one for interior decoration, but Jesus Christ, <laughs> every set in this film is fucking the gaudiest thing in the world. You got to remember, this is British gaudiness too. It's, so. yeah, well, it's like you know, like holy crap, yeah. Rich people gaudiness. Like, oh, I don't have enough clutter in my fucking <laughs> living room. There's, you know, just statues everywhere and plaid and greens and olive green. And, and then one wall is purple. And then, you know. the other um, Yeah, the other wall has wallpaper and one wall is a different color. Yeah, it's great. Good design. Oh, dreadful. <laughs> it's like what they had whenever they had in their fucking, like, reserve closet, like... Oh, how do we mock up this room? And we got, like, these random wallpapers. Yeah, fuck it. Just throw it up. Just throw it up. Just yeah, throw it all, up. That's all we got. Yeah. I don't know what the wallpaper budget was for this movie. For the sets. Like, I don't care what it costs. <laughs> Get the wallpaper. <laughs> Only the finest. They didn't spare any expense on that. That's true. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's take a break real quick. We'll go into uh, we obviously for our m- month long celebration in September and October. 
We're drinking the only types of beers that you can drink during uh, this Halloween season, and those are Oktoberfests. Frost! Yes, that's right, people. We're drinking Oktoberfest again, and this time we are drinking what you would consider a more authentic Bavarian Oktoberfest. Made in Bavaria, we're drinking Erdinger's Oktoberfest. Um, which is a, an authentic German beer. Never had it before. This is my first time. Actually, I've, I don't even think I've ever heard of Erdinger. Um, I've had a few other ones. As we talked about in the a previous show, I've had, you know, Hoffenbrau uh, and a couple others. But I've never had Erdinger before. Never yeah, neither I, no, I've heard of it and I've seen it. I just never, never bothered to get it because it's like 22 bucks a 12 fat. Was it really? Like a, a you lot. got a six. So. Well, I know, but I, I'm just saying, like a lot of those, like pretty like, expensive. Yeah. One of the reasons why I don't ever, even though I like Hoffenbrau and like um, uh, Paul and I, I've never gotten their like twelve packs really, unless they're on sale because they're like twenty two, twenty three dollars a twelve pack. Something weird is that um, Applebee's tends to have Pauliner on tap. Maybe they got a deal. Strange, right? But uh, yeah, no, they do. Um, you're getting your baked ziti special. Baked ziti treat, special. Treat yourself to either, Applebee's. Treat, Come your, on. treat yourself to either like a blue light or a polliner. Because you're right. They usually like ask you like for like blue light or like that. Well, for the longest time, they had blue light as just like their. If they don't ask you, yeah. you get it for free. Yeah. Um. I. You know. I would say probably they'd be like, oh, you, I'm like, hey, you didn't ask about that blue light. Oh, you want me to get? It? No, thank you. <laughs> As I just drank blue light. There you go. Yeah, just kidding. Go Bills. But uh, yeah, so we picked up the er- er- Erdinger. Um, it's a more traditional style Oktoberfest, so that means that it's closer to um, what you would, what we would consider a lager style. Um, yet it does still have the maltiness of the um, Oktoberfest that we know and love. Just not as um, I would say, not as. Uh, readily apparent throughout drinking the beer. Still malty, just not as malty. I'd say more. it's got more of a sweetness to it. Yeah, definitely does. Yeah, they, they tend to be on the sweeter side as they they go toward, more towards the lagery style than, than a darker ale. And I, I think Erdinger has that same type of quality as uh, some of the other Oktoberfests from Germany that I've had before. I think it's actually maybe a little bit heavier, though. Than some of the other ones. I've had much lighter Oktoberfest style beers from Germany than this one. Well, I don't know if it's like a fat bastard today overall between eating dinner here and then what I had for lunch today, but <laughs> that first one I had took me eons to. I liked it, but it took me eons to get through because I was like, whew, I'm full. And this is like kind of like the left hand, like making me like, oof, starting to feel a little bloated now. It is definitely a, um, a heavier style beer, even though. You know, I still think it's fairly light for its, you know, for its brethren, the Marzen style. But I like it. I enjoy this one. Um, I don't know what I like more. What, this or the left hand? Or you- no, no, no. I mean, I don't know, like, it, what I would go for, you know, if, if given the choice. Like, here's an authentic, here's a German Oktoberfest. Here's a American Oktoberfest. You know, what would I go for? Probably the American. I just prefer that multi, multi style. Well, seeing as we're getting flooded with these nice, lovely German beers, we're gonna have to 
expand our horizons. That's true. Because like I said, um, where I got this is they have quite a few. Awesome. So we're going to have to try out some different ones. Yeah. Because this is... Because it's going to be throwing pretty coppers down, though. Authentic German styles are something that I just don't... I've never... I've not had that much. One thing, I've never been to Germany. Um, so that limits you. But I have, I have been to a couple of Oktoberfest-style celebrations. So I've had a couple, but nothing... Like, it's definitely something that I need to expand on. Something to try new ones. And, and like I said, I don't know Erdinger at all, but they have a pretty robust selection of different styles of beer, including the Hefeweizen, which is their number one style of beer. They say it's the number one Hefeweizen. That's what they say. That's what it says on the bottle. I can't speak towards it. And actually, you know what? This is kind of funny. Uh, this was imported into Manhasset, New York. So it's not that, probably not that far from us, actually. Yeah, no, a lot of uh, a lot of stuff gets like like White Plains. I know White Plains gets like a yeah. lot of like Heineken and all that stuff. Yeah, it's kind so of funny. I'm not. It's not actually that far from us, and where at least where it's getting imported into. Um, in terms of where it's made, it's actually made in Germany, but they have like <laughs> a they have a distribution center in Manhasset, New York, I guess. They call it Erdinger, USA, in Manhasset, New York. Yeah, I like it. It's I like good. it too. Got a busty little blonde lady on the cover. Very chesty. It's kind of creepy. Her face, her, both the, the boy and the girl, their faces are both very, very creepy. They both look like they know something. Like if you look oh, at, I have a secret. If you look at both of them, like she's giving shifty eyes to the right, and he's giving shifty eyes as well. And they both know somebody was murdered and buried in the the Bavarian garden. That's what makes, you know, those hops so floral and sweet. Yeah. Yeah. So they both know it. Or they're serving, like, dead man's bile. And that's what the Oktoberfest is. I don't know. I'm making shit up. Because it's Tales from the Crypt Night. But good good beer. I would definitely uh, recommend checking out Erdinger if you've never had one. Um Certainly a good representation of the style. And I will say no complaints. I, I will say though, I don't think we brought it up before. I think we have, but maybe not. I really don't like when they call them fest beers. Yeah. Like I just call them either Marzen or Oktoberfest. <laughs> like it's just like 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 making things more confusing. It's like with like the whole Nypa thing. You mean like so many different names for stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Like you know, it's like like with night. I think like, Marzen is fine. Yeah, yeah. Don't need to go any further than that. Yeah. Oh, it's a fest beer. Oh, no, it's not October. No, it's just just one name. What you only need one nomenclature. The other thing about this this um beer is that the bottle is pretty heavy duty. The lip on the top. Oh yes. Pretty thick. Very heavy bottle. Yeah. You know, very sturdy glass. Yeah. Also in the brown bottle, which you, you want to see, especially this type of beer. Don't want to get it all funky yeah, not and gonna, not skunky. Gonna, not going to go the Newcastle route, <laughs> which tends to God, get I skunky quite a bit. Speak of the devil. Haven't had one of those in eons. I'd like to find the werewolf for the show at one time. Can't find it anywhere around here. Probably Used to be around and then all of a sudden just stopped. Interesting. Don't know why. Because I remember I used to uh, collect the boxes because I was doing... Um, werewolf package with my site and i had to i was sending out the package in the werewolf box so i had to go through a couple 12 packs of those that must have not been a cheap endeavor no it wasn't 
<laughs> wasn't cheap. Nope. That's for sure. But I'd like to find that one again someday for the uh, for the show. Bring you know what we should do? This is what we should do. For the the movie that we think is going to be the worst, we should review the Magic Hat uh, Night of the Living Dead Pack. Yikes. I haven't actually seen that one this year. Yeah, you know, I don't think I think they've just been sticking to that can do like IPA. I yeah, I haven't seen whatever that. thing. I haven't seen that because and the, the other thing is like they totally killed it when they got rid of the Oktoberfest in that pack because that was literally the only thing that I'd buy it for. So if the, if the hex was in there, then I'd be like, I might buy it. But now that the hex is not in there, I'm just like absolutely not. Maybe Bernie Sanders listened to us and he's like, all right, boys, we're shutting you down. <laughs> yeah, right, we're shutting you down. Magic hat. Look, we got. We're like magic people. crap. <laughs> hey And I don't have it. I don't have it queued up. Uh, <laughs> I need to get a. I need to get one of those. You know, sound machines that is linked directly into. You got our who recording. Was it? I was gonna say who was on SNL with like the thing? Was it Chris Kattan that was doing like the rim shots, like for uh, Will Ferrell, whatever? Like doing stand up, and it was like. Could be. Could be. I need to have it queued up. Like I need to have a little section. Look at you, British movie. British word. up, yeah. I, I, that's something I would like to get. You know, sometimes I see streamers having those little like sound effect machines, or even nice machines that they have like a yeah, they have the sound soundboard and they have a mic and they can even alter and do like vocal alterations. <laughs> that, that's what we need to get at some point. Maybe when the podcast that's a major not, expense. Maybe I say maybe when the podcast isn't running in the red. That's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah. If you'd like to help us out. <laughs> You can you can donate to us on um, on uh, our Patreon account. That would help, and then we could get a sound machine. I would love to have the soundboard too. Great. Just so, so it could be just like now bring up the bass, take everything down, and bring up the bass. Well, I can do that too. I mean, I can do that with our controls. No, can, no, no. But, I want the actual soundboard so you can sit there and move all yeah. the little. Switches. I actually, you know, I could probably put my headphones on and listen to us as we record, and then I could really make changes on the fly and be like, "Whoa, let's." Uh, Let's bring this down a little bit, but I'm not a I'm not a sound technician, as everybody knows. So we do what we do, and then that's it. We rip it off, and then we post it. This is the harsh noise wall of podcast. That's why uh, we're not making any money here. It's all about fun. It's fun, fun times. Speaking, so it's the one thing that keeps this friendship together. If we didn't have this, it'd be over with by now. That's right. Speaking of fun, we're gonna move on to. Uh, Tales from the Crypt, 1972. Tales from the Crypt. From Hammer Horror. <laughs> no? You might think so. Kind of. Similar. Yeah, it's ventures. Got the Technicolor bloody colors of Hammer Horror. Actually, I would say Tales from the Crypt's blood is even brighter in this film. Well, because they moved to the 70s. Extremely bright blood. It's, uh, as you said, especially in that first, uh, the, in the first segment that we get in All Through the House, it's the paint levels of red. It's very much like someone's had, you know, they were doing the uh, a little paint job, and they're like, you know what, we it's got, got extra, the same, it's got the same consistency too. We got extra red left over. Just throw it in here. I don't ever want to hear anyone make fun of Dawn of the Dead's blood ever again. I always like when you see the blood <laughs> in their washing blood, and like the entire sink is just completely red, and it's like, well, this is magenta. If you've ever, if you've ever washed blood off, you know, like. It's pretty. It's not gonna really. You're not gonna get a whole basin of red blood in your in your sink. Um, yeah, it makes a mess and stuff, but not like not like in Tales from the Crypt, where you just have like 
blood all over the place, and it's bright red. If anything, I, I, gotta, I gotta worry about the hard water instead. Yeah, you know? yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just, like yeah. You're running, running too much water. It's gonna make you have too much calcium buildup. I gotta sit there and scrub it all away. Yeah, I feel like um, in this one, especially in the first story, they were going for like a Macbethian type of like, I can't wash the blood away. You know, it's on my hands. It won't go away. Then it's in the sink. Then it's on newspaper. Then it's on a fur rug. You're right. Uh, I remember Macbeth being about insurance policies. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. All right. So um, let's go. Let's just, as we're, we're getting into it, let's just go into that first one. It's called. So we got, we just. We have five players, and they're being scolded by the Crypt Keeper. And we go one by one into... See, though, the scolding is really, like, it's kind of funny because they're under the assumption that they're, like, there for a tour. And that they're giving them a little tour of this crypt area. And then all of a sudden, they get to this Crypt Keeper, and he's like, You know what you did! And they're like, What the fuck's going on? You know. The other thing that's kind of funny, too, is that he says, like, You know what you did... And or you know what you're thinking of doing, and they're like, "What? I don't know what you're talking about." I'm little old me. It's hilarious because you know, like, you can't bullshit this. If you're thinking about murdering your husband on Christmas, or Christmas Eve, or leaving your entire family for another woman, then you you know when they say, "I know what you're going to do." Like, you know what they're talking about. Try to bullshit on that. Especially a man. Don't ever try to bullshit a man in a robe, like, hooded thing sitting on top of skull. Yeah, he's, I, like, sitting in front of, uh, like, a Raiders of the Lost Ark-style uh, cave skull drawing. <laughs> but, but, yeah, it's, it is like, that, like a rock skull that he's got, like, in the background. I do like, though, he's got, per, like... Chairs, just like stone chairs for everyone. Please take a seat on the stone chairs. Very uncomfortable. They <laughs> haven't had the architect in in a while. <laughs> but yeah, that, and so this guy is really lambasting these people. He's like, and then and then thankfully they all take one turn at him, and they all they won't, and they also all deserve it. <laughs> and they do all deserve it. Yeah, because they're all assholes. You'd think they'd all except know maybe, each other, except maybe one. Yeah, it'll, that's true. That's, we'll get, yeah, get, we'll get to that. It'll yeah, get to that's that. True, but yeah. interesting, interesting. Um, so let's talk about the first one. He, uh, so he's talking to it's Joan Collins. Yep, so. Joan Collins of all people, and he's talking to her, and he's uh, mentioning that, and she knows what she's going to do. She wants to know her plans, and plans? He, and he, yeah, she's asking about plans. He's he's. Plan your plans. <laughs> and then it launches into and all through the house. Um, if you think that sounds familiar, that's because Tales from the Crypt from the HBO series also did this as their first episode. So they did, they redid and all through the house for their first episode well, of the show have to, to launch it. Well, you'll have to tell me which one's the better one. I will tell you. I certainly plan on it. Because I, I have not seen I wrote, a, I wrote an article about which one's better, actually. I did the, did a comparison. Watched them both. I, say, I mean, I, I will let you know. Uh, what, uh, back in the Moon's Dead World? Um, I don't think so. I think it was on Cultsploitation. I think yeah. I did it for Cultsploitation. Yeah, like last year, maybe. I think it was last year. That's why I haven't read it. So Joan, <laughs> so Joan Collins plays uh, a woman, and uh, she has a much older husband, apparently, because this man is like 65 years old. No, he's just British. That's just the natural oh, okay, 40. Okay, that's, yeah, just that's, the, that's just the natural 40. Just like... Uh, 
slightly overweight, gray, gray hair, smoking a cigar. Everyone is wealthy as fuck in this and has, you know, cigars and brandy and cognac up the ass. Everyone's liquor cabinet's like... Well stocked. Yeah. Well stocked. Yeah, and cigars just laying around the house, too. Just like... Well, it's the 70s. I didn't uh, didn't smoke the rest of this one. Let me pull it out again. I'll light it again. They have a giant ashtray. He had that fucking cigar, and you'd think she would have used that instead of the fire poker. I do like in the 70s that you could expect at least 15 ashtrays throughout the house. Just like, you know... You can expect that up into the 90s. You're like, yeah. just, if I move to the sitting room, there's an ashtray. Yep, there's an ashtray. No problem. You're covered. Dining table? Ashtray. There's an ashtray. Bedroom? Got one right next to the bed, you know? And, and then they're like, you know, bathroom? Nope, no ashtray. Just tap it on the floor. <laughs> no problem. But yeah, so she's got a she's got a much older husband, apparently. But he loves her very much. He does love her very much. He's giving her a very nice brooch for Christmas. And he writes a very, very sappy um, card to her. She says something like, to my lovely wife, I love you, with marked with an X to indicate many kisses. And he kissed it himself. And he, yeah, and he kissed it himself. That's a loving husband right yeah, there. Yeah, it happens to him. Gets fucking whacked well, on the head. That's true. But you know what? This was the time before Viagra. So she's suffering as well, as we can imagine. Well, we don't know. We don't know. We have to surmise why she wants to kill him, besides the fact that he has a very nice life insurance policy in not, his... No, not insurance. Assurance. Assurance, yep. He has a nice assurance policy in his safe that's hidden behind a nice portrait. Now, my question is, what would, I want to know what the breaking point was for her. Yeah, because they have a kid. They have a kid, especially like a on four Christmas, five, like a four or five year old kid. You know, so what was the breaking point? What made her be like, all right? Well. She was unhappy with the brooch. It wasn't enough. She was snooping. Well, she's she fucking took it anyway. I again, you have to surmise all this because there is no backstory to most of these stories. You know, like it's really like. As it's happening, you're just getting the a glimpse of their character. So you're you're surmising. And really, Tales from the Crypt leaves it at this lady's a bitch. That guy's an asshole. Yeah. That's pretty much the the entirety of what you get as their character setup. Like, well, whatever he did, it probably didn't what is didn't deserve her whacking him over the head with a fire poker. Mid mid newspaper reading. You know, cigar in mouth. It's a good shot, though, of him pulling open the newspapers, reading it, and then all of a sudden you just get the splatter of blood on the on the front of the new or on the back of the side of the newspaper. I thought it was a paintball shot. <laughs> just because <laughs> Dennis. Because <laughs> it was just so not dead. a gun, Dennis. I was just say because it's so Technicolor bright, you know, like. Now, you know what? Not even. I don't even think a shot was shot in tech. It's probably like Panavision. You yeah, know, could or... be. Could be. Yeah, it's. Uh, but I like the shot of that. I think it's uh, pretty stylistic, especially to start the film off with that little bit of shock value there and grew. Um, so she's. So then the rest of the film is about her trying to clean up this massacre that she's just done and also keep her daughter from discovering it. Um, there's a lot of nice shots of like her daughter being awake and being super giddy about Santa Claus coming. Santa's coming, mommy. Yeah, they Santa. got the they got the cutest little girl too. Santa. Um, 
so they like they kind of splice that in between of like her cleaning up blood and stuff like that, and then we, her then her daughter being like Santa's coming and uh, trying we, to get out of bed, and she's like, no, get back in bed. Uh, we also get a news bulletin, you know, breaks your radio program. Uh, you get to listen to a man talk about some man has escaped from the mental asylum. He's dressed as Santa Claus. Oh yeah, you know, you know that when you get that news bulletin, that's it. Game over. You know what that news bulletin and like the description of what was going on reminded me of? Somebody was watching a Jallo and was like, "Gotta have a, like a maniac Santa Claus." You need know, a homicidal maniac. Yeah. All he was missing is gloves and a fucking straight razor. Well, you know, it's not Christmas without a homicidal maniac on the loose. <laughs> As we well know, because we've done a Christmas every year with a homicidal maniac Mm -hmm. on the loose. But so this is sort of like the original, like Santa Claus, killer Santa Claus on the loose. Um, And so in like after she's done cleaning up all this mess and throwing the the guy down the stairs, which (laughs) is a vicious shot. And I should have cracked his head open a little bit more too. the way he fucking goes tumbling ass over DK. I really want to know if the stunt double is okay after that, or if they just had to wipe him away. I love the two. He fucking hits into the his foot, like hits into the side so hard and knocks the one like railing out from the (laughs) stairs. Like, yeah. Yeah. But you do have to wonder why did she want to do this on Christmas Eve of all times? Was there something to do with the life insurance policy where it would expire on January 1st? I don't know. You, th- you think because it's life insurance. It's, it's, I don't think it would expire, but you know what? I don't know. I'm just curious why anybody would pick Christmas Eve where their daughter is home. Well, maybe she already knew about the hash slaying slasher fucking rolling. Possibly. Around. Maybe she Ro- knew about the homicidal maniac. Maybe she let him out. Maybe she works at the she's she's asylum. Nurse, yeah. yeah. And she let him out. But anyway, he does show up expectedly at the house, breaks in, gets into her daughter his her daughter's room, and then she's a oh boy, Santa's here, Santa's here. <laughs> then he assaults her by the fireplace, and that's that's all we get. Strangles her. That's right. And then she's back at the the crypt keeper's lounge, and uh, that's supposedly what's going to happen. Even though she's already wearing the brooch. Because you see the brooch on her shirt. So you're like, wait a minute. What does that mean? How could she have the brooch already if it's not Christmas yet? All right, well, you know what? I didn't see the brooch. Oh, you didn't? And she, well, she even makes a showing of she lost it at the beginning. Uh, well, I didn't. I, I dropped my brooch. I didn't, I, didn't say I didn't see it, but um, obviously with the twist that comes, it's fucking. Yeah. You know, you can pretty much see that coming, coming from a mile. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the thing is, so she must have liked the brooch. You must have spent a shit ton on it. You think? You think like after she saw the brooch, because she sees the brooch after she kills him. She sees the brooch and she's like, "Ooh, made a mistake there." He is pretty, uh, pretty thoughtful. Even if his dick doesn't get up. <laughs> <laughs> Even if he does smell like smelly cigars. I'll take a brooch any day. Smells like lint balls. Um, with that life insurance policy, she could have got herself many a time, many a brooches. So to answer your question about the difference between the TV show version and the film version, TV show version is, is better by far. Much better. Um, 
part of that's nostalgia because I watched it when I was a kid and it really had an effect on me as being a very cool episode. But at the same time, just the, the entirety of the film is 20 minutes. You don't get much to go on off of it. And the tension of Santa visiting and then coming in the house, really slight. Most of it is actually just basically about her killing her husband and then trying to hide up all the evidence. And Santa only comes into it in the last, like, few minutes of this, sh- of this um, segment. Kind of like the telephone. Yeah. Yeah, kind of like the telephone. Um, in the show version, Santa has a much um, more prominent role. And it's also cooler because in this one, yes, Santa does get in through the daughter's window. But it's not really... Um, very suspenseful in how this one plays out. In the show version, it is suspenseful because we know that there's a lot more running around the house and locking doors and stuff. And then all of a sudden, we know that the little girl is up in the room and she's going to let him in. So there's a lot more suspense to it there. And also the Santa Claus in uh, in All Through the House, the TV version, is a lot creepier looking. This guy just looks like a kind of a jolly old old man who's out for a stroll on Christmas Eve. Uh, that's not the case in the TV show version because he just has like fucked up teeth and uh, completely like Hills have eyes esque uh, Santa Claus. So change it up quite a bit. I would say that the TV version is better. This one's okay, but I would say that it just doesn't um, emphasize the suspenseful nature of this, and it really takes too much time just showing how she's gonna how she murders and tries to clean up um, the murder without really going into too many details about it. And so a lot of it is just sort of like mundane watching her do things. Unnecessarily like wash, washing, yeah. the, you know, that bear fur rug or whatever the fuck. Yeah. I think that they, they probably should have cut some of that out and had more Santa Claus in it, but they were just pressed for time. Although this one does seem like a shorter one than some of the other uh, segments that we get in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I do feel like they they just missed out on um, doing things in this one that they could have done to make it a little bit more suspenseful and tense and terrifying. Anything else to add about uh, In All Through the House? No, that's about it. That's about it? She just whacks her husband with a fire poker. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So the next one that we move on to is uh, Reflection of Death. Uh, which stars Ian Hendry as Carl Maitland. He's a guy who is uh, living a double life. He is cheating on his wife with another woman. And he's got two kids. Yeah. He's going to leave them. When we, when we meet him, he's actually in the process of leaving, he says, for a trip. And he's not coming back. He's not coming back. And he goes up to kiss it. Actually, I don't even know if it's clear if he was actually going to say goodbye to his kids. Because he comes downstairs as though he's leaving. I don't think he had it in him. Yeah, you know, that's, so that's, that's rough. To say, you know, just go up there and say that. and So, you know, his wife's like, hey, you, go. you gotta go say goodbye. And he goes up to say goodbye to his kids. And one of them wakes up, and that's even harder probably for him. Because uh, we get the sense through this story that he's kind of not sure about leaving his family. Well, they don't know. Well, that too. It's <laughs> not like they don't know. his wife's like, okay. Yeah, right. I, I see. You found, you know. But even when he's when he's off with his mistress and they're driving, he's like, this is going to be good, right? <laughs> we're all leaving quite a bit behind. 
I'm so, like 45, you're 20. <laughs> so, I mean, at least in that respect, he's not that bad of a guy. I don't know. I mean, at least he has some remorse, whereas some of the other characters really don't have any remorse whatsoever. Um, so he has that going for him. But uh, he's actually, so he's driving off with this woman. They're going to leave their, both of their lives behind. The uh, get in an accident, leaving the worst like nonsensical, like movie like accident ever. Because she says like, because he's having like a hard time staying awake. They're like, oh, she'll drive, and he has a nightmare. And he wakes up, and all of a sudden, for no reason, a fucking car's coming at him <laughs> head on, and he grabs the wheel like an asshole and fucking swerves it. Yeah, he must swerve quite a bit because they're already in the left lane because we're in Britain. Chip, 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 and, and then he swerves it all the way to the left, and they ram through a, a fence. Which I love that they play this ramming through a fence scene twice because it's such a ridiculously aggressive scene. Of, oh, the way that car like, yeah. dives off that like that ledge, it's like so. You know, you're right. It's not like, it's like no air, but it's just like you know, it's, it's like a Hot Wheels car <laughs> being forcibly ejected through a fence, like a, a toy fence. That's that's the scene. <laughs> And I love it that they play it twice because I was like, I want to see that again. Listen, and you, you know, know what, what they do? They tell, they Look, show it to you again. They didn't have like ABS and stuff back then, so no one was like probably pumping the brakes or anything. That's true. They just you know skid and right, yeah. Because it does look like no one thought like, yeah, we should swerve and hit the brakes. And it's like we're gonna swerve and then jam it on ninety through this fence. But yeah, it doesn't. As you as you probably can understand, it doesn't end well. For them, no, they ended up on the Death Wish, uh, Death Wish two and three uh, movie set, and the car is aflame, you know, for no reason. The car, yeah, the car is just completely incinerated. And uh, so Carl is, he's out of the car. He makes it, but he can't find his uh, mistress. So he appear, apparently he wanders all over the place, um, trying to get help, and everybody screams in terror by seeing him, which is uh, not meant to be comical, but actually comes off as pretty comical because there's just random encounters of people like, like, a, oh! like a hobo with a, with a um, campfire who just stares up at him like, Oh, who's that? Oh my God. And runs away like with Benny Hill music playing. Yeah. They should have played it in like fast, <laughs> you know, like fast forward. He like ran with his arms like flailing. Yeah, that's <laughs> like like straight up Benny Hill running away, which is hilarious because it's like this is all done in a POV shot too. So we yeah, don't, is, we don't yeah. see we don't see what happened to Carl. We don't get to see what happens to him until the very end. So yeah, everybody is sort of running away. The other scene that I really like. Is the second person that he encounters who's driving down the road like an asshole just with, with a guy in the middle, clearly in the middle of the road, and he doesn't stop until like the last second, I know, okay. skidding I'm, out. I'm kind of surprised he didn't fucking hit him because he like literally waits to the last second to rail on the brakes. This guy was wasn't paying attention guy, at all. I was expecting the guy carrying a fucking camera for that, you know, like get fucking taken up, but you know, scooped up. Holy shit! <laughs> yeah. That guy was going damn fast. I don't even know if he was in the movie. <laughs> it's just like a random scene <laughs> of the guy that was going down the road and they were in the road. Um, but yeah, so that's my favorite scene. Not only because he doesn't stop very well, but because he has to pull directly up to Carl. Rolls yeah, down the window. Like, hey, hey, what's going on? And then, and then not only, like it takes him a couple seconds, even at that distance, 
to recognize, like, this guy is fucked up. Kind of gives, like, the Hank Hill, like, whoa, you know, whoa, before he, he, he speeds off. Yeah. Then Carl goes and visits his wife, and she's freaking out, and then we see her in the arms of another man. She's having an affair, too! They both were cheating. Not only that, but the names changed on the door. So, Car- because they do, they do take a moment at the beginning of this, sh- this story to show you His the name on the door. So you know when they show you the next name on the door, you're like, that's not his last name. <laughs> They're the Maitlands. And then he visits, finds his mistress. Who is living in the same apartment building that she, that she had the, tried to sell. And then she had the movers and stuff. The, like, the movers like come back and put her shit back. She's blind now. Can you? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. They were like, Probably grumbling about it. This lady wants her shit moved back into this apartment, uh, but she's blind. So oh, that bitch. Well, well, I guess we have to do it then. Actually, that's the sec- That's actually the second story in this movie about blind people. There's <laughs> there's two stories about blind people in this one, but mm-hmm. we'll get to that other one a little later. But yeah, yeah English love their blind. I guess so. But he, uh, he sees uh, his mistress, and she's blind, and she says, "You know what?" Well, and that's the other thing. You know that something's wrong because she doesn't react to um, Carl being hideous when she meets him at the door. You're like, why aren't you scared of him? Uh, it's because she's blind. That's right. She's, she, she needs to pull the um, mask of feeling the face before she knows, like, oh, yeah, he's fucked up. But uh, we eventually do see a reflection of Carl, and he's uh, a hideous corpse. And then he wakes up in the car, and it all happens again. Now, my question is, why is it two years? Yeah, that's that's a good that's a good question. In, I have in, no in, idea. In his dream, yeah, you know, it's what? maybe it's just the surreal like qualities of. Uh, you well, know, like, why did it wait? Like, no, I would say like, why did it wait? Like, take two years, like in between the time gap, because it's literally like Sharon, Sharon. Well, I think that's like the surreal qualities of a nightmare. Like, time sort of slips away from you, and you're like, you think it's now, but it's actually two years later, and. I don't really have any so this this story doesn't really make that much sense especially because we're sort of seeing this as like a loop of him this happening to him over and over again and yet the film makes it clear at the end that it it happened to him one time and he he died. Mm. So I don't know. I don't really have an explanation for it so much because like that would be his own hell right there just to mm. like constantly relive that experience little of little loop of having yeah, like Breaking his children's hearts and yeah. his wife's. And That's a pretty hellish experience all around. Like, if you... Cause, well, I guess his dream doesn't incorporate all of that. Well, maybe it does, right? Maybe Because we don't, we don't know how far his dream goes back, so maybe it does. That's, that's pretty awful. That would be a pretty awful experience to relive all the time. Probably worse than what he gets from when going into the, the crypt. But it's an interesting story. I think it works in some ways, and then when you really think about it, I'm just glad. it doesn't make sense that much. I'm just glad it's shorter. Yeah, it is on the shorter I, I, side. I do think it's kind of a... I think the POV shot like of uh, him walking around afterwards, it's interesting. It's a good idea. It's just not well executed, because you don't really do anything... Especially because really good with it. Like, you know, because it's pretty random, too, as, as like you said, with the two-year stretch... It's very random. Like, 
He's out of the car. He goes to see this guy. He gets scared. And then all of a sudden he's back at home and she's already moved on to another man. And then he goes to see the mistress. And that's two years later. Doesn't None of that really makes a lot of sense, especially when you stop and think about it. So the dream sequence is kind of weird. And I also question once we get it back out of the dream sequence and we're seeing the car crash again, I wanted to know, like, why did they go that far with it? Like, why didn't they end it when he woke up and said, no, and then you see the, like, the car coming their way? Like, why did they have to go through the entire car crash again? Because they spent a lot yeah, of money. Yeah, they wanted to shoot. get the money. Spent a lot of money shooting. There you go, you know. That's like, I like to always mention that um, the TV show Under the Dome, they, they had a... A stupid CGI moment where a cow gets cut in half because the dome comes down and cuts the cow in half. And literally every single previously on Under the Dome had the fucking cow getting cut in half because that (laughs) tended to be an important aspect of the TV show. I always like to bring that up because that's what that reminds me of whenever someone says, you know, we had to reuse it because of the money and we wanted to get our money's worth. That's under the dome right there for you. Well, you no. get the money's worth of a CGI but cow. I, I'm, I'm just, I, I think it's an okay story. I just think they could have done some, like, like a few things better. I, I do think it benefits from being one of the shorter run times. Of the yeah, it's, it's, it's fine. It's, it's got that. Uh, I actually just watched a, uh, a similar episode of Tales of the Actual Tales of the Cup. It's very Twilight Zone esque. I would say the story is too. You know, like yeah, of, like having like a like a kind of like a looping nightmare type thing. And I do like how they made him, like, it's a pretty affecting story, like, because he is an asshole, he leaves his kids, it's a shitty thing to do, and... So let's right now, because these are stories about shitty people, let's right now, we're going to start keeping track. So right now, who's the shittier person? Oh, um, Joan Collins, for sure. Okay. Joan Collins is the shittier person. Okay, because we're going to be keep we're going we're gonna to rank these. We're going to rank... The, I, I would say. I mean, yeah. We're going to rank these shitty fucks and how shitty they fucking are. So, you, I would say you ran away from your family. That's, that's pretty shitty, but they can move on without you. Joan Collins murders a guy on Christmas Eve with her daughter in the house. That's like... Seven levels shittier. That's just because you're a menace. Yeah, right. Family weighing me down. It's okay to leave them. You know. I mean, if you're if you're gonna leave them, hopefully leave them better off. But yeah, but maybe don't murder your family. It's a it's always a good gauge. I just want to know too because I think also that doesn't what doesn't work is like about the story is just the fact that again it's short and we don't really get these great in depth looks into these characters' souls. just want to know, like, what was, like, so what was appealing to him about Susan? Like, you know, like, what, like, because the chemistry is, like, just wooden and, like, oh, we two lovebirds. Yeah, there actually is not really any chemistry. None. Basically, he's just like, this is going to be good, right? It's it's the same chemistry as, like, between him and his wife. Like, yes, we're married, yes. Peas and the bees and stuff. Basically, all Susan says throughout is, Of course! <laughs> of course it is! Of course it'll be great! You're the man! You say what's what! If you have to reassure yourself that it's gonna be great, then maybe not. Are they going for, like, the graduate? You know, is this what we really, you know, at the end? After, after that whole big hurrah, and they're sitting on the bus, and mm. you just hear, Hello, and you just watch Dustin Hoffman and then their face to like change like what the fuck did we just do? Could be. Similar. 
Yeah, I, I would say it's in a, it's an okay episode. It's air uh, segment. It's not it's not the best one of the series or, or of this um, film, though. I would say. On to the third. On to the third one. We got preening peacock bloke. Yeah. And, and his story. That's what this man looks like. He's a fucking preening peacock with his poofy hair and bell bombs, cardigans, I, and leather jacket. I actually th- yeah, I actually thought when I first saw him, he was going to be more like a punky character because of the leather jacket. But then once you get into the story, no, he's just another white rich guy. And in this case, one of the worst pompous white rich, rich guys because he can't put up with Peter Cushing living next door. Who doesn't want a nice, kindly old Peter Cushing living next Which, door? Which, by the way, whew, would not have expected going into this, this being the role that, he, you know, he want accepted. Because from what I was reading online, he was offered the role to be the Crypt Keeper, but he picked this role because he wanted something different. You know what? I can see that. I can, I can see that. He doesn't want to just do the same thing over all the no, time. No, I, I agree. I mean, I he's, a very, a, he's a very versatile and talented actor. I think this is a good role for him because he's put in a very kindly situation. Like, he's a very kindly character. So he really gets the bulk of the empathy of this film, of the entirety of the film. Mm-hmm. Because he's really the only character you really have much empathy for. Because he plays a... Uh, a rubbish man. Yeah, he's he's one of the only characters in this movie that's not rich. He's uh, just a guy who lives in a house and he loves his dogs and he likes to play with the neighborhood children and make them toys from garbage he's that he a finds. Hard, hardworking rubbish man. And you know what? People that live around this area, they're very rich and they don't put up with nobody taking trash and making toys out of it. See, we this is what we call today uh, gentrification. <laughs> what's yeah. going? What's going on here? Because the rich, spoiled kid and his pappy want to bulldoze down that house and put, you know, Starbucks there or a nice <laughs> Whole Foods or whatever. <laughs> yeah, they, it's not clear why they want them out because they're, like, they, oh, they're running down the property values. Yeah, you know? basically just bringing down the property values. That's well, I mean, like, but so, like, why would they buy it? Though, what would they do that that you know across the way land and house that they bought it turn into like a guest house or something? I don't know. Well, right now they own the Georgia house, so they'd probably make it the North Carolina house or something like that. <laughs> um, no, but uh, I think that Peter Cushing has a lot of empathy in this one. He did, plays it really well. Um, and they do a good job with actually showcasing his character. As a character, um, you get a lot of development that you wouldn't normally get with other characters, especially the ones that are sort of the the main characters of the segment. In this case, you know that his wife died. She died about, she was like 53 years old. So she's been gone for a little while. Uh, he's he, lonely. He's lonely. He contacts her via Ouija board um, to, to get like what to do in situations. Um, and not only that, but now he's got to deal with his neighbors, taking his dogs away, um, not allowing the neighborhood kids to come visit him. Um, all because they just want him out so they can buy the land from him and... Do rich people put a, put a pool, <laughs> do rich people things? Put a water polo place there. I mean, you know, <laughs> put a put. They just need more room for their their brandy supplies. Yeah, they, well, they're rolling in. Yeah, just they just want to cognac and brandy. Just you know, cigars and just fountain opulent fountain pens. The funny thing about it too is that like they don't do anything. 
Like, all they do is, like, sit around and read books and write in their diaries. And scheme. Yeah, that's, that's, all. Just, that's all these rich people do uh, the entire day. Hey, what are we going to do now to fuck with Miss old Peter Cushing? Mm. What if we did this? I was cutting and knocked down the old man's roses, his prized roses. They'll blame it on his dogs. They'll get the dogs taken from him. That was probably, like, the only work that that rich guy's ever done. <laughs> Dig, just... Digging out the flower bed. That's, that's literally it. That's the, the only menial task he's done. And he's doing it with a fucking rake, too. Uh, yeah, he does. Not even a rake, like a, a pitchfork. Yeah, there's a pitchfork that he's pulling flowers out with. It's like, dude, just use your hand. <laughs> or a shovel. Why a pitch? Has he never touched flowers in his life? That's what Pedro's for. <laughs> that, that, those are his words, not mine. Those are rich, right, white people's words. Yeah, but they're British. They don't have... Pedro's around. That's true. Would it be like poor Welsh people for Brits? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> get the Welsh to do it. <laughs> yeah. Or get that fucking Scotsman over there. <laughs> Irish? No, no, it'd be the Irish. It's true. If there's anything low on an Englishman's list, it'd be an Irishman. <laughs> but you know that something bad's gonna happen to Peter Cushing because his name is Grimsdyke. Very British yeah. name. So you know you're like. Grimsdyke. Something bad's gonna happen to this guy. He, I guarantee, when he gets the chance, you know, well, not him, but I'd say the rich people. I'd say the rich folk, when they get the chance, every time they're sitting there eating their nice English breakfast or their nice summer sausage, they're dousing it in HP sauce. Mm. The Queen's sauce. Grimsdyke probably not, doesn't have enough money for it. No, he uses ketchup. We get to see the yeah. Yes, you get yes, to see yes. the ketchup. It's got a classic twist top. Bottle. I almost wanted to say like, don't even, don't you dare put that on your your food, Peter Cushing. You're better than that. <laughs> you're uses, better. You're better than that. Heinz he uses bottle. ketchup. But yeah, so ultimately, um, the uh, final straw that breaks Peter Cushing is that he receives a whole bunch of valentines on Valentine's Day, which is our second holiday of the sh- of this film, <laughs> and um, they all basically are written in the same red cursive font and they have poems on them and they all are very mean poems about how no one wants him in the neighborhood and that's it that's the last straw for him they've gotten rid of his dogs they've gotten rid of his kids and now his job yeah in his job in his job and now no one no one wants him in the community so he I want to know what, why the guy, because the guy was like, when they're like, you need to get rid of Grimsdyke. And he's like, why the fuck would I do that? He's a hardworking man. He's honest and a great, nice man. Why would we do such a thing? Well, he's old. Why can't you hire someone young? And he's like, he's like a year or two away from his pension. Well, that'll save you a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. You know? He's like, hey, you're right. <laughs> I know, but you'd think he'd have, like, he'd be like, if at first he was like, Oh, I'm not fucking... You think that would be like, hmm, yes, well. If he's sitting there talking about what a great guy and how nice he is, you think he'd want to be like, oh, snatch your pension, you know. Never underestimate the... Greed of others? Yeah, the yeah. greed of others. Mm, That's well. true, yeah. Well, that, I mean, that was, you know... And it's horrible, too, because you get to see, like, the like the children, like, he's such a nice man. The parents like, he's a rubbish man. <laughs> Imagine the filth. This, on is, him. this is definitely the the story that you're you get like the most justice boner on. You're like, yeah, those fucking assholes. Although I do have to say that I feel bad for the older man a little bit because he didn't really seem to understand the 
intention. No, of, I, I disagree because he would go along. He went along with it. Like cause they were both sitting there. Like his son was sitting there, like coming up with things, and he's like, hmm, as he's smoking his pipe, like yes, poor people. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I mean, he's he's definitely an asshole, but I feel like it was uh, the son who really put the uh, entire um, idea into play. You know, especially the sending of the Valentines. Because again, I was to say again, because he, even he, the father was like, "Yes, well, there's nothing we can do. He owns the land, the land outright." Pip, pip, cheerio. And then there's something. Oh, you got evil thoughts, evil things to do, and he's like, mm, "Tell me more." <laughs> yeah, none of them are good, but I definitely think that Elliot is the worst of this one. Um, but it's a, it's a good. I, I like this one. I like this story quite a bit, mostly because of Peter Cushing. So he play, he plays it up really well. You never, you never want to make a Peter Cushing upset. They did a pretty good job on the makeup effects for Grimsdyke as well when he comes back from the dead. This is very Creepshow-esque before Creepshow was around. Yes, um, yes You get a lot of the Creepshow Foggy. Uh, yep, elements of, uh, the, especially the first story, Father's Day from Creepshow. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that really seems like it was influenced by this <coughs> specific scenario. Um. And so I like this one. I think they did a good job with it. Um, definitely, they because they played up the empathy for one character, which you don't normally get in some of these stories with the moralistic um, storylines. Um, it it makes it a little bit more um, compelling for the for the audience, and especially because there's uh, some relatability here. You're like fucking rich people. I hate rich people. Um, so you definitely get that. I would be curious, like, uh, rich people watching, and you're like, you know what? I don't like rubbish men. What? So I find them. I want to buy their land. Yeah. So the rich people watching are like, you know what? I understand from their point of view. <laughs> Bringing down property values. <laughs> Money that we won't use to our, to our schools because we all go to private schools. Yep, yep. <laughs> so asshole gauge, again, uh... Out of the three now, what do you got? Oh, he's number one. This guy, Elliot? Yes. And number one ass. No, but you didn't describe, you didn't tell what, what, what happened to him. Oh, that's true. Grimsdyke comes back from the grave. Writes a little poem. Yeah. And uh, takes his heart out. It's a nice little... Uh, Are we sure little... it's his heart? A little big. Could be a cow. More like a lion heart. I was going to say, it could be like a cow's heart or like a sheep's heart or something because it's pretty pretty big. It is pretty big. but And it's also somewhat beating at the end. You hear like the... And the blood is very vibrant. Again, it's true. Incredibly. But no, this guy takes the cake. Elliot is the... He's king bastard asshole on the bastard asshole. I would say that he is too because he's like taking... There's like this guy has done literally nothing wrong. To and you. there's like again, there's nothing really like to be gained. <laughs> That's true too. Yeah, I mean they don't need any more money clearly, and they don't need more property. So yeah, he's he's pretty much the biggest asshole right now, for sure. Just a complete and total asshole without Douche, re- douchebaggery. Well, you know what? Do you think he has remorse towards the end? Because he's he's like remembering on. Uh, on Valentine's Day the next year. You know what? He should. He should be remembering Peter Cushing's body hanging from the fucking, you know, closet and being like, man, I'm surprised that fucking shoot slipper held on for so long, you know? <laughs> you know? Yeah. I think he had some remorse in this one. 
But still, too little, too late. Well, not enough to repent. You That's know right. Yeah. Sorry doesn't fix the lamp on this too, one. Too little, too late for that one. Should have killed about an that. acting icon. Should have thought about that before you wrote forty fucking poems for Valentine's cards. You would which, think- by, which, by the way, only the British can do. I think anyone in America is like that well read and versed. We sit there and like come up with forty different well written poem <laughs> rhymes for Valentine's. Yeah, insulting poems. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean Maybe because it's America. You're, like, <laughs> you're gay. <laughs> Leave, yeah, America. Yeah, I mean the poems are pretty good, and by pretty good I mean b- pretty insulting. So they do their job. But you would think after like the second one, you'd have misgivings about it. You'd be like, he's a little too mean. Would someone commit suicide over these? Well, he's lonely, and he's got not- his dogs are gone. No, I'm I'm so saying just- I'm saying you would think as the person writing those cards, you'd be <laughs> like. This, you know what? This is, might be too mean. Well, as we all know, rich people don't have no souls. So that's true. That's true. He's as we can he, see. He was sat there laughing the whole time, maniacally. Like, <laughs> and he actually even twisted a mustache. Like he instantly grew like a thin mustache. He's like, also like, I have a one thirty IQ. <laughs> My bell bottoms cost more than his house. <laughs> <laughs> All right, on to the uh, fourth story. I would say kind of the innocent victim of this. Yeah, this is the one that we're talking unless about. We, where, um, unless we, we're missing something. Yeah, this is the one we were talking about where we don't really feel like this guy in particular did much wrong. I mean, please correct us. But the I, only thing I guess is at the beginning they showed he was a little greedy by wanting to spend money at his partner's... Because it, it, him and his partner... Um, his solicitor. Had, yeah, his solicitor. They found out that they don't. They no longer have any money. They're bankrupt. And I guess in this case, he's supposed to be the one that has spent all that money. Um, we, that's all we really get, though. Like, we, there's nothing else to indicate. Like, maybe he legitimately wanted, needed that money. Maybe he was buying good things with it. Who knows? Maybe he needed furniture for the store or whatever they... Owen. I mean, I would say maybe maybe it's because of the, their living room is gaudy as fuck. And, yeah. You know. the, the only thing I can think of is that, that he's he's a little bit greedy. And so when they're bankrupt, they're talking about having to sell their antiques that they've collected all over the world in order to remake this money. So are you supposed to assume that they use the money to buy the antiques? I don't know. But who would ever want to buy these fucking Gaudy. Horribly ugly antiques for their house. Well, wouldn't his wife also then be like at fault because she's the one that was making the wishes to be rich? Yeah, and he was like, "Don't fucking do that." Well, so their living room is like the antiques roadshow of um, <laughs> of uh, of uh, um, hoarders <laughs> because it's it's like hoarders, but. With the most ridiculously ugly you got American, antiques. Yeah, fucking American pickers in there. Oh, wow, look at that. Rare antique statue you got there. I'll give you $20 for it. Yeah, you know. I mean. It's like, it's, it's Pawn Stars, but it's them ripping off people in fucking Ohio, like on Texaco's ass. Yeah, it's, it's like, their living room is absolutely horrendous. Like, it gives me anxiety looking at it because there's just so much stuff. Glinting and gleaming and, and the fucking wallpapers, yeah. like everything. It's like God, get get it's rid like, of it. And also, like you would feel at that point, like you're walking through a museum. 
And like you literally do not want to touch anything because for fear of breaking it. You no, know, like what's the point of like? Well, why would you have it all like in your fucking living yeah, in your room? living room? I I don't understand. Once you have like a specific room, yeah. like here's all my shit. Yeah, I don't understand. And you just it. show just, like, and you can show to your you friends like, here's my shit. You don't want it all in one section like that. That's just just weird. I don't know why you would do that. But we don't have a TV. We got my shit to look at. Yeah. But anyway, so they're, they're, they think that they're forced to sell these antiques and they look at one and it actually has engravings on it that say make, you can make three wishes and they'll come true. So it's a monkey's paw scenario, which the, fil- the film references. It says – Flat is, out. Yeah, they're just like this sounds like the monkey's <laughs> paw story and it is. It's exactly the monkey's paw story. So the wife makes a wish and that's the key here. The wife makes the wish. The wife wishes that they had a lot of money. Not the guy. The guy is like, don't, don't fucking do that. that they are like, if you've read The Monkey's Paw, don't do that because you know that all the wishes have some bad things, some consequences to them. So why they have the guy go to the crypt and be the one that's getting the condescension is – I don't understand it. No, that's what, I, don't get, I don't get that either. It should be the wife because – she thinks that she can trick the monkey or the well it's not a monkey's paw but it's she thinks she can trick the statue by making wishes that are sort of roundabout ways of getting what she wants and she can't and so it really should be her because not only does this guy have to die I do, but he, I do like the whole uh, death riding a motorcycle yeah that's hilarious him. with the with his skull uh Mask. Well, it's like a DC comic, like Death Rider. You know, like uh, he don't, doesn't ride. I don't think Go, a motorcycle. Ghost Rider. No, no, I'm not talking about Ghost Rider. I'm not, DC. Uh, different one. Um, I don't, he doesn't ride a motorcycle, but he like he like skis and he like he like eternally chases like your soul. Like yeah. Uh, um, I think he's part of like the uh, Dark Blackest Night storyline or whatever. Though. Mm-hmm. Something. I yeah, don't know, but, but yeah, but liter- quite literally, death riding a motorcycle behind. Um, but I think that this is a pretty mean-spirited one because not only does this guy have to die because of her wish, but then the he, other wishes are fucking- yeah. But then he has to come back and be burned from inside because of embalming fluid that he's wished <laughs> back to life. Which is so great too because the other guy, as he's explaining to the wife, like you know, no, it's the monkey's part. Don't fucking do it. He's like, I wish you came back. But but before what happened to the in the accident? Oh, he's back. He's not mutilated anymore. He died of a heart attack before the accident. Oh well, I wish he was back alive, forever alive. And he's already been embalmed, and he's in the casket. And he's just like I'm burning, I'm burning. And yeah. the guy's like, you fool. He's been embalmed. He doesn't have anything. You. You, that, that's his personal hell right there. And that's yeah. awful, having to suffer. I know, and then not only that, that's not enough. Now he's got to literally go to hell because of his wife's wish. I, I don't understand this one. That <laughs> He should not be there. Maybe the, purgatory. I the, don't know. The crypt keeper should be like, you know what? I think we made a mistake here. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to send you back. We're going to get your wife. Looking at the list like, <laughs> it, oh, what the fuck's that Chris Rock movie? Chris Rock movie. The Chris Rock movie with uh, Eugene Levy in it too. He's a comedian and he gets hit by a truck. He wasn't supposed to die. 
And he ends. They end up killing him anyway, so they have to find a new body from. And he takes o- takes over the body of an old rich white guy. Hmm, I don't know that one. Yeah, it's, nah. it's like a, it's a Yu Yu Hakusho situation. He wasn't supposed to die. Gotcha. But they killed him anyway, and he he died in front of people. So like, well, we can't put your soul back in your body because you know it's, everyone saw you die. So well, I'm gonna find you a new body. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've made this clear. This guy's the least asshole. Again, I, he's yeah. I didn't like again. Like besides the fact that he's like, oh, we lost a shit ton of money. I'm a shitty businessman or whatever. <laughs> he, like again, because even like I said, when his wife's like giving that the whole wishes and stuff, he's like, don't do it. Stop it. Stop it. Yeah, right? he's the voice of reason. Yeah. So this guy's way low. No one's more. Everyone's more of an asshole than this guy, and I think that's going to go for the last story as well. Um. So the last story is um it's called i think it's called blind no i'm sorry it's called um uh blind alleys and this one i feel like is the longest or did it just feel that way i feel like it was the longest but it very well could have just felt, felt like, like that way. yeah um but anyway it's about the uh, the the guy that's in the crypt, uh, he's a corporal, major. Uh, is he a major? Yes, he's a major. He makes sure to say it over and over again, major. And uh, he takes on the uh, role of the uh, I guess he would call him like the uh, super well, yeah this, yeah superintendent or something Warden. of of a blind. Uh, it, it's like a commune almost like. Like a blind person's commune, where they're you know they're just uh, caring for blind men, and so uh, he is very very concerned about the budget of this blind man's. Um, what do you, what would you call it? What is what is this called? Is this just like a house for blind men? Yeah, it's like the like right? a, it's like the. Something home for the blind. Yeah, like a home for the blind, I guess. Yeah. So we'll call it that. So he's very I concerned say, about I, would say, I would say the incorrect term would be a halfway house. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean... It's just a home for the blind, yeah. And so he's very concerned about the budget for this. So he's cutting off the, the uh, heat in their rooms at... Uh, very, think, things that are very, you know, like... <laughs> necessary kind of Kind of like non-negotiables when you're running like a, ha- you know, a home for, you know... He's like, what's the first thing that should be cut from a home? Heat, <laughs> of course. Yeah, but I like his reasoning. He's like, I turn it off at eight p.m. because you guys won't need heat at eight p.m. You're gonna be under your covers. You'll be a, you'll be asleep. Why? Why? You know, what are you doing up anyway? Yeah, You're what, blind. What else are you gonna do? You're blind. You can't see anything. Are you gonna read? <laughs> um, but yeah. So th- this short just makes it a point to like show how bad this major is at. Understanding he's, what blind means. He's very much like Scrooge. Yeah, it's because he's like, yeah. "What do you need heat for?" And you see him in his office next to like a roaring fireplace, and then when they're like, "Ah, oh, our fucking food tastes like dishwater," and like then you see him with salad, ice cream, steak, you know, like wine. wine. He's got like you know a four course meal, and he's like, oh, "I'm the head officer. Of course, I get to eat." You yeah. Know? Yeah, it's great. It's yeah. He's, it he's totally, totally like all he's missing is like a ghost from a visit from uh, you know Christmas past and present. You know, it is to, very played up, like in terms of how 
you know, it 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 seems exaggerated, but I guess it could happen. You know, but he, again, they make him to be out out to be a major dick. Hey, not only that, but uh, he has a dog named Shane. I thought it was Shay. Shane. I thought it was Shay. No, it's definitely Shane because I saw the credit. Uh, it says Shane trained by and then some guy. I hate when they give it like dogs like real people. real people names. Well, they yeah. did. His name is Shane. Like I said, like Timothy. Yeah. But um, so he also has a dog named Shane, and he's sort of a German Shepherd. He's yeah, a he's, cutie. A, he's a cutie, but he's also an attack dog. So if anybody gets in the way of the major, then they're getting bitten by this guy, bitten on the ass by this guy. This Shane. More than that, probably. Yeah, probably more than that. It was like a police sniffing drug dog, you know. So uh, the one head blind man, I guess he becomes like the um, spokesperson for the rest of the blind men, um, and. So he begins to figure out that the major is not in it for anybody's um, health. And so when one of the blind men dies from pneumonia, probably. I was thinking that, too. Yeah, some sort of pneumonia because they, uh, he, he, he has no heat during the night. And they're all a bunch of old, yeah. you know, old men. Yeah. Um, so he gets it in his head that they're going to kind of take back the, uh, the house. and. Um, they set, they start building a ridiculous labyrinth of um, obstacles for the for the guy for and his dog. A, for a split second, I thought because they locked him down the do- him and the dog down in the basement in separate rooms. For a second, I thought when them building their little Santa's workshop is going to be like a cask of Amontillado situation where we're going to build you in, you know? right? Build, yep, yep. Um, the so. I think this story is um, pretty good. The only thing is that the building scenes are way too long. Very drawn out. And very skilled uh, carpenters for blind people to sit there, you know, just toiling away. And the uh, the other thing is that these scenes get really annoying because the dog is barking, like, through the entirety of the scene. Well, you know what? It's not as annoying as in the something we didn't bring up in the first one with the Christmas uh, story. With the fucking Yuletide music playing throughout the entire fucking thing, I still think the dog barking is more like I can I can block that out more from living you know living my entire life with dogs and then barking, but Jesus Christ, that shitty Christmas music was. I honestly think this one is worse because of the dog barking, but I think that um this the. The building scene goes on interminably, like just so long, <laughs> and it co- and it like sort of repeats itself too. Where he's like, "Please feed my dog," and then it happens again, and he's like, "Please feed my dog." <clears throat> so it goes on for way too long. But I think the payoff is pretty good because we get a sort of like saw like dungeon trap. Yeah, this is a jigsaw. It's like yeah. a jigsaw trap where they're like, uh, they force him to walk through a very tight corridor. That has razor blades attached to the the uh, sides of the walls, and then they let his dog out, and he hasn't eaten in a while. So th- the assumption is that he's gonna find something to eat in this corridor, um, especially with blood dripping because he cuts himself a couple of times. Yeah. So I think it's a good. I got news for you. If it was like that, dog came out and is either run away and try to fit through those fucking razor blades or stand off with the dog. As much as I love puppies, I'm standing off on that dog, <laughs> and it's going to be fucking 
Donnie broke going on. Pre- pretty clear that yeah, him running away was like you, you, you idiot. You know. Yeah. I know he's an older gentleman, and it's now at this point a ravenous puppy. But still, not only that too. The whole like the whole razor blade thing got me like thinking. One, it's a lot of razor blades. Razor blades aren't cheap. Was was this? Was he using all that budgetary money on razor <laughs> blades razor and, and not and not heating the building? Well, you know what? You got to remain shaved. To, uh, it's true. Yeah, can only have hair above the upper lip. Yeah. Um. Two. Wasn't that big of a? There was a big enough gap in between like the two razor blade walls to where I think it'd be pretty easy to slink through without getting caught. Hmm. Other than that, though, I like the implication of this story. I'm just like the. Yeah, that guy, that blind guy, should be going to hell too because he's also a murderer. That's bastard. true. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously, the major is an asshole for sure. But uh, yeah, there's some definitely some questionable morals at play there too. Um, putting, I mean, not only so, it's not like he just like kind of locked the major away so that they could have their heat and their food, but he also puts him through a rigmarole of torture that. Uh, Probably goes above and beyond what is no, necessary. Nowhere near the justice boner that, you know, the third story gives us, you know. No, no. Um, I just think that this story is a little, is too long. Uh, especially because it has that whole building segment that just is really, really long and doesn't do much. Um, just takes forever to get to its final part. All I know is after watching that story too, it just reaffirms my belief that being, I would never have gone to the doctors in the 70s. <laughs> Every hospital and doctor just looks, you know, in films like such like, no, that wouldn't die if I go over there. You yeah. Know? It's like if you ran into like a Civil War hospital, like, oh, got a little crap in your leg, it's going to get gangrene. Time to cut it off. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. So they all look like, because even like the kind, the doctor in here I feel I felt bad for because he gets whisked away and like trapped into a closet by the blind. Yep. He didn't do anything wrong. He seemed like he actually was someone who cared for the patient. It's true. But we don't know. Maybe he's the one bringing fucking wine and tea and brandy to the major, so maybe he's like, yeah, fuck them blind people. It's true. Alright, so who's the biggest asshole in this uh, this film? Third story. Elliot? Le- the, uh, yes, leading. The young guy who... Yes, le- leading poor... Uh, leading poor uh, Peter Cushing to his death. Absolutely, number one. He takes the cake. Number two would probably be the wife. It'd probably be Joan Collins. Just because I, there's not enough to go off of her, like her character, to make like a judgment whether or not it was for, for the right reasons or not. It just comes off as you know gold digging. Number three, I'd say, is probably the major. Number four, probably the guy who left his wife and family. And then number five would obviously be uh, the guy who gets chased down by death. Yeah, I think I agree with that. Pretty much. Because even, I say, because even though leaving like your family is a terrible thing compared to like, you know, murder and, you know, screwing over blind people and leading to their death and, you know, being neglectful and. Leading someone to their suicide, you know, it's not, probably not, I don't know. It's good, you know, see where your morals lie. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think that, um, like, well, I I think that the only one that's really not bad in this movie is that the guy that had his wife make the three witches. That's it. 
But other than that, I think you're right on with the morals. And then at the end, we come to find out yeah. there's something special for them. They actually did do everything that we see. And instead of that was their plan to do it all along, they actually did it. And now they're dead. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Which is was really, I mean, telegraphed. definitely clear from the very beginning of the film that they're already dead. They've already did that. Especially, like I said, with which Joe Kahn's wearing the brooch. Which is a great idea. Even though it's totally telegraphed, I love the idea. It's a you know, fantastic idea. I think it's, you know, really cool. Like, you know, like, all right, well, <laughs> you're all going to hell, bye. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I do like that, too, where the one guy just goes out and... Just is like I'm gonna fall into this pit of lava. Well, I think he probably they probably got sucked out. Like, yeah, it seems like they're kind of drawn in, no matter like because the, though, the the what the 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 rest of the four after that one guy is like, there's it's just a leg and falls down. You know, it's a very bad effect. You know, oh yeah, the, the falling effect is terrible to the lake of fire. But you know, then the rest of them instead of being like, I'm not fucking going over there. They're just like. I guess, guess, I, guess guess got, I guess I have to. to go, yeah, know. so we have to Cause, assume cause, that because the crypt keeper's not like you know sitting there like prodding them along, you know. So yeah, we have to assume that there's like some Mystical. supernatural force that's like come with me. Well, because he's kind of like the kind of like the guy down the river sticks. Yeah, you know, because yeah. with the cloak and stuff. So he's kind of like you know yeah, he's like guiding them. He's like, this yeah. is why you're here. Hmm. No. This is why you're going. This is why you're going to be, you know, yeah. suffering for an eternity. And then there's the really hokey ending where he's like, <laughs> "All right, bring the next ones in." Is it you? And he stares at the camera. You. Stares at the camera for like as it pans out until the credits roll. It's pretty hokey, but it fits the genre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty hilarious. I'm surprised he was able to deliver that line with a straight face. <laughs> oh, he's British. He's yeah, British. yeah. He's a commensurate uh, acting. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's definitely. I like the idea. I think uh, not the best payoff on how they end up shipping them all off to hell, but I, I do like the idea. I think it's a really good idea. Yeah. Yeah. I just hate that they fucking had to play Tokata and Fugue. Fuck it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very, uh, very generic. Uh, uh, just Mozart sitting there wailing on a fucking organ. Yeah. Very generic score, but other than that, it's a pretty fun movie. Yeah, Uh, I'd say it's fun. Uh, what would you give it on a scale? And I gotta give it a, I gotta get a scale going here. Oh, you haven't picked it out yet? No, I was trying to think of one and I, then I got distracted. Mm, Shouldn't be texting. On a scale of, um, zero to ten, uh, Trash toys made by Peter Cushing. Uh, what would you give? Uh, Not trash, rubbish. The rubbish. What, what would you give uh, Tales from the Crypt? Yeah, a seven. I mean, it's pretty good. It's pretty fun. I, it's definitely not really a slog overall. Some of the stories do have their sluggish moments, like the last story with the blind and the first story. But I think overall, it's pretty fun. Um, I really like the idea. I'm not somebody who's really familiar with Tales from the Crypt, the TV. I know that, obviously, the show, like, some of it's, like, things that's known for, like, the Crypt Keeper and stuff, like, the Danny Elfman theme, but I never really watched it, so I don't really know that, in the horror comics, I don't really know that much about. So it was, like, you know, I think it was a pretty good, nice anthology. I think it's a nice idea. Um, I think a little too campy at times. I think, you know... 
little touches of seriousness could have helped at times to make it feel, you know, a lot more threatening. Mm-hmm. But it's still a lot of fun. It's a good watch. It's pretty enjoyable. I'd say, you know. Yeah. Not a bad anthology, you know. Yeah. I'd give it a 7.5. I think it's a pretty fun film. Um, it does have its moments, and then it does have some that seem a little too long. Like I said, the Blind Alley's story is a little bit too long. Um, but other than that, I think that most of the stories work. Some don't really uh, come to fruition as much as they uh, they should, especially, like I said, In All Through the House is one that um, should be a little bit better than it is. Um, it has the right stuff, but it just doesn't make the tension uh, work as much. Um, but I think some of the other stories uh, make up for that, especially the Peter Cushing one. I think that's probably the best story in this movie. Um, and I do like the idea of the wraparound story where they're all going to hell and they're kind of given their stories before they get there um, just to relive them. And I like that it it's not told as just like, here's five stories. You know, yeah, there's, there's actually the, an idea behind there, it. Let's say there's a reason why yeah. we're watching this, yep. which again, you're right. That's. Probably the most solid point. And it's, it's the moral. Yeah. The moral of it. It's like, don't do this, because it could be you. <laughs> it's like the Ed McMahon. <laughs> it could be you. And just in the bad way. You're not going to win $500 for life. So, um, yeah. So, uh, fun fun movie. Um, I, w- I would say, I think, too, like, it would have benefited something like from Black Sabbath, of like having each story be kind of like a different genre of horror. Yeah, I think that would make it a lot more engaging yeah, and, uh, and interesting because everything here, outside the first one, kind of being Jello esque, the rest of them are kind of just very same thing over and over. You know, I think part of that is the um, the limitations of the uh, the comics that they use. As the um, I mean, there definitely were some that were supernatural elements, mm-hmm. um, but a lot of them had to do with like the like a murder and then there was a twist to it. And so I think they were using that as their, their guidelines, but you're right. I think if they had gone to a little bit different directions for stories, it would have worked a little bit better because they would have had, um, some different elements to go off of instead of everyone being sort of like a murder story about people that are terrible. Mm -hmm. And you could have had a little bit more variety between them. Yeah. But all right, so uh, we are moving on next week to the 1980s. Which one are we doing? Which one? Are we announcing now? Yeah. So Why it's not? it's going to be Twilight Zone, the movie? Oh, we're doing that one first? That would be the chronological order to do it. Did it come out before the other one? Yeah. Well, yeah. So that would be the, wait, when did Twilight Zone come out? Uh, like in the early 80s. I think it's... Um, 84? Yeah, I, I can't. I can't remember exactly. Let's see. Let's look it up. Let's look it up and see when it was. 1983. Ah, that's not before the other one. What is the other one that you're thinking of? And you spell that totally right. (laughs) Oh, no, you're right, actually. Oh, oh. You're right. I was was thinking that it was. So I Mm -hmm. I guess Twilight Zone is not the next one that we're doing. Well, now we have to. No. Oh, okay. So you, bu- go, you, you blew it. go out of chronological it. order. I yeah. definitely, I thought this was, I thought this one was later, but no. I guess not. I guess not. All right. So yeah, Twilight Zone, the movie will be next week <laughs> for the, uh, for part of the eighties. Um, and then we'll have another f- okay. film from the eighties the week after. 
So Shade. two in the eighties should be obvious. Should be obvious. If we're doing Twilight Zone, then what's the other eighties anthology? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> It'll be obvious, but uh, you can you can make those guesses yourself. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, we are on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, pretty much any app, um, podcasting app that you can think of. We're on it, so uh, subscribe to us. Leave us a review. Podbean. Podbean is uh, our main one that we're on. That's where we post. Yep. I'm just going like, to start randomly. Because <laughs> yeah. every, every time you say either Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Apple, I'm just going to start throwing out random like podcasts. Are we on here? Yep. <laughs> we're we on, on everything. Here? Uh, we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash Blood and Black Rum Podcast. We're on Twitter at Blood and Black Rum. Um, and we also have an email address at Blood and Black Rum Podcast at gmail.com. You can write to us, let us know what you want us to cover on the show. And also, if you want to donate to us, we have a Patreon at patreon.com slash Blood and Black Rum Podcast. Uh, we appreciate anything that you can give. It uh, helps us keep the show running and also allows us to buy a soundboard. I was, <laughs> so that's just, I was just about so to say that. You know. Fun sound effects on the show. Whoop! That's right. Our, my dream is for one day to this just divulge into like a Howard Stern morning talk show esque. Yeah, you know, like that's the dream right there. People you know? have people have said we'd be good at it. Oh, be good said, at a nice little talk show. Who said that? Rob. Rob. Yep. Rob said that we would be. We, we should be on radio. So. Well, he must have been drunk. I guess my, he was. Yeah. Because um, uh, I do not have a voice for radio at all. <laughs> After after what listening to like the first episode of this podcast, like, well, there goes the dream of ever being a sports broadcaster. <laughs> Marv Albert, I am not. Well, appreciate uh, anybody that listens to us, regardless. So definitely check us out next week because we'll be back with Twilight Zone the movie, and we're continuing in Halloween all September and October long for the Halloween season. So definitely check out all of our anthology episodes. Thanks for listening. Take care.